Hello and welcome to episode number 82 of the Hobby and Happiness Podcast, where we talk about the hobby that makes us happy, tabletop gaming. I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Jim. And today we're talking with Pro Tour winner and game designer, Justin Gary. All right, we got there. This time it was my fault. Yes. This time it was his fault. This time it was my fault. I even said, I'm like, I'm going to mess it up multiple <laughs> yeah, times. But I was the one who messed it up. <laughs> All right, before we get into the episode, we need to talk about our sponsor, Amazon Audible. If you head over to our affiliate link, www.audibletrial.com forward slash hobbies and happiness, so you can sign up for your free 30-day trial of Amazon's Audible service. Amazon Audible is Amazon's audiobook service, where when you sign up, you get that free 30-day trial, and you get a free book added to your account, which you can use to get any audiobook on the service added to your account. Now, what's even pretty cool is you can cancel before the end of the 30 days if you don't like the service, but you get to keep that free book. What's even better is if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get two, two free books added to your account. And uh, yeah, you, again, you can get those added to your account. If you don't like the service, you can cancel before the end of those 30 days. I've got a lot of uh, got a lot of credits on my account that I need to <laughs> that I need to go in there and use. Like uh, like like we said last time, Gary V, Patrick Bet David, some fantastic mm-hmm. authors. And Patrick Bet David's got his list of books for for entrepreneurs. Um, definitely go check all that stuff out. But again, guys, seriously, if you don't have any Gary V stuff, <laughs> go get that. Even if you're not an entrepreneur. He will give you that daily kick in the rear that you need to just yeah. really be your best self. So head over to our affiliate link, www.hobbies, excuse me, audibletrial.com forward slash hobbies happiness. Sign up for your free 30-day trial today. All right. This episode is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very excited when I was able to reach out to Justin <laughs> Gary and um, he emailed us back and was like, yes, I will do your podcast. You know, well, I was actually kind of nervous. I was too. To him. I was too. And, but like, I kind of, you know, I kind of did my thing, got us all laughing, mm-hmm. got us into you a did. mood and yeah. it was just kind of, kind of a lot of fun. It was, it, it was interesting. Like you, you mentioned being nervous because yeah. I was nervous as well, but once we start got in, once we got into the conversation, it just it flowed. Yeah. It felt really, yeah. really, really natural. Yep. Um, he's he had he's got an amazing career and yeah. has an amazing experience in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, one of the first questions uh, that I asked, and he just started talking about, I'm like, <laughs> you just answered like five questions that I was gonna <laughs> ask. So, yep. um, but yeah, Justin Gary um, started Stoneblade Entertainment in 2010, original designer of Ascension, the deck building game. Series, um, and today, you know, today th- this episode is airing a few days early because we wanted to make sure we got this out uh, for the launch of the Ascension <laughs> Tactics Inferno Kickstarter, which launches uh, either today or the next day. I can't remember when this goes live, but uh, the Ascension Tactics Inferno Kickstarter should be live today. So um, we talk about Ascension, Ascension Tactics, and really just G- uh, Justin's entire experience in the industry. So without any further ado, let's get into the conversation for you guys. All right, today we are joined on the podcast by Justin Gary. Uh, Justin is the CEO of Stoneblade Entertainment, uh, which he founded in 2010 with their first game, Ascensions Chronicles, Chronicles of the God Slayer. Uh, first, in, first introduced at Gen Con in 2010, he's also author of the book Think Like a Game Designer, the step-by-step guide to unlocking your creative potential, and has a podcast that he hosts by that name as well. Um, he also has a, a, a notable Magic the Gathering uh, career with a win in the 2010 to Pro Tour in Houston. Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. All right. So um, I'm very excited to have you. Um, I, I first heard heard you talk with uh, Zach and Steven on the uh, Covenant cast, where you talked a little bit about uh, Soulforge Fusion. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty excited uh, to have you here. But for our audience, can you can you give our audience kind of a brief rundown, uh, as brief as you can, I guess, um, of your tabletop career and uh, kind of how you got started in the games industry? I mean, I know you started young um, by playing Magic at 17 um but kind of what led you to start playing magic and then kind of how has that informed your career yeah yeah so it's been uh, a fun a fun story so it's uh varying degrees of nerddom uh bouncing from one to another so i used to uh play uh a competitive laser tag league uh called laser storm down in south florida and in between rounds of laser tag people were playing this weird card game 
And I was like, what is this? And it's like, oh, this is called Magic the Gathering. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I went to the store and I picked up some cards and I just like brought every card that I bought out of the pack and started playing, which kids these days don't realize. Like they all the, the, the decks they buy are all pre-built and made to work. There was just a random assortment of cards that made no sense whatsoever. Got we my butt kicked. There. was like, yeah, exactly. So but got my butt kicked. was like, oh, maybe I should only play like two colors. Okay, cool. Come back next week. Come back. Go, okay, all right. Got my butt kicked again. Anyway, I kept that process going uh, for a little while. Uh, I started, I discovered it uh, right when I was 16. Uh, then the, the group that was I played laser tag with decided to go to a, to a drive up to Orlando to go to the state championships. I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. I'll go with you guys. Win the state championships. Now I'm invited to nationals. Like, oh, okay. Couldn't really afford to go to nationals. Ran a, I actually ran a tournament at my local store to, to collect the entry fees, to pay for my plane ticket, to fly to nationals in Columbus, Ohio, slept on somebody else's floor, win the U.S. National Championships that year. Then now all of a sudden I'm on the pro tour, traveling around the world playing. And that's how I paid my way through college and kind of just got to do, you know, be a pro magic player for many years. And then I thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm, you know, that was fun, but I'm going to go do something serious with my life. And so I went, uh, quit playing magic and went to law school. Uh, I went to New York, uh, to NYU Law, and I was miserable, <laughs> miserable. And so <laughs> I'm like, all right, you know, just because uh, both my parents are lawyers doesn't mean I have to be a lawyer. And fortunately, um, some of the people I used to play pro magic with had started working on a game called Versus System uh, over at Alt, uh, Upper Deck. Uh, so it was a Marvel versus DC trading card game. And they invited me to come out for a summer to help them kind of develop the game, help break the game uh, and see what I could do. And I went and worked on it for a little while in the summer. I loved it. And I mean, you know, just picturing, you know, stuck in law for law you know in the law library in the snow in new york versus summer in san diego working on games i was like okay this is definitely the path for me <laughs> quit law school flew across the country figured out and 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 by the way just to pause there for a second like it's actually you know it sounds like you know fun and easy or whatever but the the skill set of being good at playing games and playing on the pro tour is very different than the skill set of how to design and create games and i had to i had to really deconstruct that and like take my analytical brain and be like, what is this? What is this creativity thing people talk about? And I had to like, it was a very tough process to learn, but uh, that's part of where I end up, you know, kind of deriving the principles for the book and trying to teach other people. Because uh, once I worked through that, I wanted to make it easier for other people. Anyway, I worked there for a while. I led design uh, the Infinite Crisis expansion for the Versus system. I created the World of Warcraft Miniatures game as a lead designer. Eventually, became the product manager and brand manager for that. Figured out how to do all that stuff. Once I'd kind of gone through that cycle, uh, I decided, eh, you know what? Let me give this a shot on my own quit, started my own company, launched Ascension, which I just thought was going to be a fun little game. I'd play with my friends, honestly did not expect it <laughs> to be that big a deal. Uh, and it turned out it was, uh, and we can go into more detail in any phase of this. There's a lot of fun little stories there, but I'm giving the brief overview version. Then I get to that in uh, leads to me being at a PAX Dev conference where Richard Garfield is there giving a talk. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to go listen to Richard Garfield give a talk because he's my idol and he dictated the course of my life. At the end of the talk, people ask him, hey, what's your favorite game uh, right now? And he said his favorite game was Ascension. And I literally in the back of the room jump up and go, like literally like a like a ridiculous child in a crowded room of people. Like uh, just pure, everybody laughs. But it gives me the opportunity afterwards to start conversations with Richard. And it became very clear that we had a very similar design philosophy. We wanted the same uh -huh. things and what our next project was. And that became SoulForge and now eventually uh, SoulForge Fusion. And so mm -hmm. along with lots of other fun twists and turns, I've gotten to take this entire full circle ride mm -hmm. uh, from random kid picking up a deck of cards to now mm -hmm. getting to like work on games on the regular with Richard Garfield and make cool stuff with a lot of inc other incredible talented people. Uh, and so that's my, uh, my short uh, version of my story that gets me here. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you told that story because I literally have that as one of my questions. I, I've heard you tell that before, and and it, how like how did that feel? How did that feel to hear Richard Garfield tell you that your game was the favorite that he's playing at the moment? It it, it is it is it was and is still surreal, right? I mean, there's the, just the yeah. pure kid like joy of it, like I, mm -hmm. I expressed verbally in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, I've had a lot, I've been fortunate to just have a lot of these moments. Like, I just still think of myself as just like, I just love games. I like playing games. I like doing, like, the fact that I still get to do this for a living is like, I feel like I'm, I've got, I'm cheating somehow, you know? And so the <laughs> fact that now I, to, to be able to get that kind of recognition and, and, and to bring joy to, you know, the person who brought so much joy to my life and 
and help to craft these experiences has been amazing. Like I've now, you know, have regular like friendships and co-working relationships with other like incredible people who've inspired me, like Jordan Weissman and, you know, created Shadow Run and Battletech and WizKids and all that, you know, and, and, and I've been able to like have this now inspirational effect on other people for whom they started playing my games and now they're playing with, you know, they're now they're designing games on their own or they had, they're playing games with their kids. They, they, you know, they, those, that, that process of being able to connect with others and it's, it's still surreal. It's something I'm so grateful for. And it's one of the things that just keeps inspiring me to, you know, work hard at what I do every day. I mean, again, it's play, it's making games, but it's, it's a lot of hard work to do it well. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. You know, uh, going through all that, it just it, it brought me to one word, uh, you know, community and, you know, community, I feel like can, it is and can be a buzzword that a lot of people just throw around for the oh, yeah, we, we've all got community. But like that story kind of for at least for me kind of brings it really home and. And I don't know, like to me, it seems like the games industry, the tabletop industry in particular, kind of embodies the the word community like to a T. I don't I mean, not to say you can't you can't find community in other industries because you most definitely can. But um, I just feel like this industry, there's just so I feel like there's just so much more of that feel in the in this industry in particular than than any other industry is that something like would you agree with that statement and kind of going going off your story there um i mean kind of kind of can you touch on just that that word community and kind of what what's meant to you yeah yeah it's 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 everything i mean you know so obviously i can't speak to every community out there because i haven't been Mm -hmm. a part of every community out there but i i definitely vouch that the the tabletop community is is such a powerful force. And I can speak to it from a couple different angles, right? So there's the one piece of it, which, you know, I started my career as a pro magic player, right? I made hundreds of thousands of dollars playing card games and traveling around the world. And so one version of this story is, well, obviously you're there because you love the game or you're there because you want the money. And neither of those things are true. Like the game brought me in, the money allowed me to keep doing it. But it was the mm-hmm. community and the people that what I really cherished. That's why I mm-hmm. did it, right? Those are friendships that I formed, bonds that I formed that lasted my entire life. And mm-hmm. still to this day, a lot of the people that are in my company now, a lot of the people who I'm closest to are the people that I started hanging out, playing games with. Uh, and so, so I know from a visceral, personal level that that's what's important. The same is true, like the connection I have with my dad, where he would play games with me when I was a kid. And we, I, then I got to take him to come to world championships in Australia and we got to go have that experience together right? we get to have that connection. And then uh, now, and so, so from that side, like I am like, I'm blessed and viscerally feel it and know it without mm-hmm. a doubt that this community is a part of it. And now I look at it as my job and my mission to build those communities and build those opportunities, really create the space for people to create those communities. Right. Cause I don't, I can't mm-hmm. create a community for people. I can create a space that people can build. And so that mm-hmm. is like, and again, that's where you talked about, well, how did it feel to have Richard Garfield tell you he loved the game? And I, yeah, that was amazing. But I also like immediately pivoted to like how it feels to know that I've been created a bond between a father and a daughter because they get to hang out and play games of Ascension. To know that I've seen these friendships of people that meet up every couple months at one of the events that we throw or that are hanging out in our Stoneblade Discord and chatting and building these deep friendships and connections. It's like, that stuff is what makes me come alive, right? So like our mission as a company, right? We have like our kind of motto is like work with awesome people, make awesome things and help each other grow. And then the core mission of what we do is, you know, we create these remarkable experiences that delight, connect and inspire people all around the world. And that connection mm-hmm. is just at the heart of it. Like a great game, it's fine. You can play a great game. You can have a great experience. But at the end of the day, you're only going to stick with it. It's only going to become a part of who you are. It's only going to become something mm-hmm. that you really remember when you build community around it. So I spend at least as much time focusing on that as I do on any given game mechanic or cool aspect of a, of a specific game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim, like it, 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 it warms my heart to hear stories like that because this is exactly why Jim and I got together and started hobbies and happiness. You know, like everything you just said is, was the exact reason that I text that I text Jim and then we started talking. Um, and the reason we got together was because our game store closed and we were like, we need this, like our community needs this. What can we do to provide this uh, space for our community to continue to grow. So yeah. it, I, I, I love, I love hearing that. And, and it, it, to me, it means Jim, like Jim, like it, that's just affirmation that what we're doing is the right thing. So it's, I, I love it's, it's, it, 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 it's, 
Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I and I, when you reached out to me about you know doing this this chat, I looked up your stuff and I saw the the vibe that you were putting out there. It was like, yeah, hundred percent. Like this is exactly the kind of thing that I love to see. And you you know mm-hmm. you you are you're literally crafting community. And and if you don't mind, I'll go on a little bit of a tangent about this because I think like what it means mm-hmm. to be in community now, what it means to create communities now, is very different than what it meant even three years ago, mm-hmm. right? Even pre COVID compared mm-hmm. to now, it's yep. shifted a ton, right? My company is now hundred yeah. percent remote. So I think about how do I build community and how do I build culture within my company? We have a, when we launched our ascent, our first Ascension Tactics Kickstarter, it was right into uh, the uh, COVID and right into the, to the pandemic. And so all of a sudden a tabletop yeah. miniatures game, which is about as physical and in-person a thing as you can imagine, is suddenly you have to, how do we man- manage that in the pandemic? And so we built prototypes on Tabletop Simulator. We built a community on Discord. We worked on ways to help connect people that couldn't necessarily be in the same room or things like with Soulforge Fusion where we've made it so that every single physical, it's a physical game first, right? We want to let people play games in their stores, but every single deck is one of a kind algorithmically generated. There's a QR code on it. You can scan it into your online collection. You can play your deck online. So we have tournaments where you play it online as well as physically. So you can have communities. If your local store closes, if you don't have people around you, you can still have that community and then hopefully eventually build a local community or connect to other communities nearby. And I think those things are mm-hmm. are critical nowadays because there's no substitute for the value of us sitting around a table and hanging out. And like, there's just that nothing online replaces that in my opinion, right? Maybe someday we'll all have the chip, chips in our brains or yeah, but nothing replaces that. Mm-hmm. But but I think it's important to supplement it. I think it's important, like what you guys are yeah. doing, right? The community yep. you build through a podcast, the community we can build on a Discord, the opportunities to connect mm-hmm. and engage with the things you're passionate about and the people you care about is something that's very evolving very rapidly right now. And so it's a, it's another really fascinating part of what we mean when we say community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, <clears throat> so so when, when it comes to magic, like, you, you know, you, you were talking a little bit about magic, but I feel like the game of magic has has informed so much of the card game space, right? I mean, I look at I look at a lot of different card games that are out, right? You know, you you you've got your own uh, magic career. I look at Darwin Castle, Rob Dowdery with Wise Wizard Games, uh, Brian Kibler. Um, uh, there's a lot of people that have been out making games, card games, like card based games, and they have a history in 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 the magic space, right? I feel like anytime I see a new card game, it's oh yeah, well they're they're a magic pro or they've got all this all this backstory, this background in magic. I mean, I feel it can't. It almost seems like it cannot be understated how much impact the game of Magic: The Gathering has had, not only on the card game space but in the tabletop gaming space as a whole. You know, for you being in the industry for as long as you have, I mean, is that like do you see that as well, or or, or not really so much? Oh yeah, of course. Well, I mean, you've named all people. You've named all people who I, you know, were teammates with and work with, <laughs> have worked with over right. the years yeah. uh, directly. Yeah. But it's so. So there's a couple. There's a couple of factors to play. One. So you mentioned that you know I do. I have a podcast called Think Like a Game Designer where I talk to all the best designers and you know people in the gaming industry, like just really top talent names. And it's pretty much always one of two things that got them into this industry, and it's either Magic or Dungeons and Dragons. Like those are the two universally, yeah. like the things that brought mm-hmm. people in and got people like hooked on what's possible. And I think there's something, mm-hmm. uh, and Magic has had, you know, is bigger, much bigger than, than Dungeons and Dragons by a good margin. Uh, and I think it's, it, it, there's a couple of things that came with it. And I think both both Magic and D&D have this, which is there's one thing where it says, hey, here's a game, play this game, right? It's in a box, you do what I say and you play the game. But things like Magic and Dungeons and Dragons say, no, 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 here's all these possibilities. You build the game. You build the experience, right? Whether it's building your deck or building your character or building an adventure, right? You're creating a game experience for yourself and for your friends in a way that just wasn't very accessible before that. And I think that's why it's mm-hmm. such a trigger point for so many people to become game designers or become hooked to become part of the industry is because that possibility space just unlocks something for people. Um, and I know that's what happened for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so... I, I... When it comes to card games and board games, okay, I I feel like the line between what makes a card game a card game and a board game a board game has blurred over the past decade. Um, You know, for me, I think when I probably think of card game, like intuitively, I just think anything that has a lot to do with cards, right? And to be honest, I, I think ultimately it doesn't really matter if it's a card game or if it's a board game. I think 
I think those words or phrases mostly mean something when you're just trying to give somebody a, an example or a description of what kind of experience they're looking to get into. And I think historically, when most people think card game, they would tend to think a trading card game or, or, or a collectible card game. Like for us, like card games are our life. Like we love and enjoy card games. But I'm also finding us playing all these other games that to me are card games, but would be quote unquote considered a board game. Is there a thing that even makes a card game a card game or a board game a board game any anymore? I mean, again, I don't think it ultimately matters. I think it is a game. I think it is semantics. Um, but when I, cause I was thinking about this last night and I'm like, you know what? Cause I'm a big, let's try to define our terms. And I think for me, when, when I tried to boil it down, I think it only really mattered when I'm just trying to give someone a, a, a description of the experience they're going to get when they play this game. So does it matter outside of that? And is that line blurring? Yeah, so I, I don't think I mentioned in my backstory that I'm a philosophy major, uh, and so the uh, getting into the definition of these things is really uh, – I could go off on a real tangent here. Uh, Perfect. But, you know uh, – <laughs> uh, no, I mean, actually, so, so Wittgenstein is kind of one of the more, most famous philosophers for speaking about the philosophy of language, and he famously used the word game. Like it's actually impossible to even define what a game really is, and I can you know I, I go into a variety of these things when I teach you know what does it mean and what's how what are the relevant definitions. So without going too far down that rabbit hole, yes, the, the distinctions between card game and board game, and you know this is a tactical game, and this is a you know this is a Ameritrash, this is a Euro game. Right? Every single one of these things is designed to give you a a family of associations, right? A like sure. okay, cool. Sure. So it's kind of like Uno, or it's kind of like this, it's kind of like this. So, the, so the words, and so you had it exactly right. It's to give you a sense of like, oh yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a two player battling card game. Okay, kind of, I kind of got a bit a sense of where this is. Or, oh no, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a deck building game or a board. You know, right? Deck building has now become a category. Right? Back when I made Ascension, there was not a, isn't a category. It was Dominion, and then there was us. Right? That was it. Mm -hmm. And so now yep. there's, it's a, it's a, it's a chunk. And right, and that's actually yep. it, these, these old, these old things that were original and innovative on their own now become discrete kind of units of design that now other things build on right like i would yeah. never have dreamed right. of making a game like ascension tactics 10 years ago it's crazy yeah. it's so there's so much going on because you have to understand all the concepts of deck building and then, and then all the stuff about a tactical miniature game is smashing together but building it now almost everybody in the gaming industry understands the basics of deck building and once you know that it's very fast yeah. to pick up and very easy to do so we always kind of mm -hmm. stand on the shoulders of giants and build on what came before and so when you're describing mm -hmm. things in terms of card game versus board game you're helping people to understand, okay, where are you, where in this sort of soup of possible play experiences are you trying to direct me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I, like, I feel like, Jim, like before we started even making content, like yeah. I was just trying to make sense of stuff for me, right? And now I find myself in the standpoint of, okay, I have to try and explain this to other people. And all I really know is, well, it's a, there's cards, so it's, it's a card game, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's kind of really like... Well, it's kind of like it's all made up and the, the rules don't matter and the points don't matter. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just figuring right. it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, that is, that is, that is really the funny part of it, right? Getting back to the philosophical thing. Right? We all, our whole thing when we play games is we all pretend that there's these things that actually matter to us in order to have these experiences where none of it really matters. Like I'm collecting these little gems and these right. little things doing this. It's like, what am I doing right now? Like you, we all, we all get to play this, this this you know sort of we, we enter this magic space of all right we're all going to pretend like this stuff really matters that so we can share this experience and craft this experience together and sometimes people get very very obsessed with those things that don't really matter i need those yeah. points i need those gems. so yeah. so magic the gathering is just putting cardboard on a table and playing pretend <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Nailed right. it. Glad we, we, we got it. We, glad we, we got, got a professional up. player of playing <laughs> pretend. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, oh, all right. So, goodness. so, so uh, I want to talk about Ascension for a little bit. Um, Cause you know, I, I want to make sure we get this in. Right. So uh, the Ascension deck building game. Okay. You know, at this point, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you've got there's about 15 or so expansions to date. Is that correct, or is there a little bit more? 
There are 16 standalone unique expansions, and then that doesn't include collector's editions and promo cards and promo packs and all that greatness. But yeah, quite a bit. Right. Right. So, so, um, launched that in 2010. Okay. So what, what inspired you to, to create Ascension tactics and not just another Ascension box? Yeah, great question. So, you know, this was when I made Ascension Tactics originally, that was coming up on the 10th anniversary of Ascension. And so I knew I want to do something special, right? Something different. Mm -hmm. I've done plenty of Ascension sets. I'll continue to design Ascension sets. It's super fun, but I want to do something different. And prior to, you know, in addition to my love of card games, and obviously the thing I'm most well known for, I also love miniatures and tactical games. Like, you know, I had a Warhammer 40k army when I was younger. I played, you know, the, the Hero Clicks. I played Memoir 44. I played like a lot of these tactical games, Hero Clicks. And, uh, and I designed the World of Warcraft miniatures game back when I was working for Upper Deck. So I, I had all of this knowledge and, and joy and love of, of tactical miniatures games. And at some point, it was Ryan Sutherland was one of my co-designers on the projects. And he is like, well, you know, could we do, you know, could we do this? And it's like, oh, that seems crazy. There's no way. And we're just like, all right, let's try. And we tried a bunch of other crazy stuff, which I won't share because I might still make it. Um, but but what we found was this was like, <laughs> actually, once we once we got the core hook of it, right, whereas Ascension, for those that don't know, right, it's a you know, deck building game. You have runes that buy cards from the center row that make your deck better. And then power, which you use to kill monsters. And monsters typically give you points, some kind of instant bonus. So it's like a relatively straight resource conversion kind of game, but, you know, with a playing pretend as uh, you like to put it uh and uh, uh and then but then this was like instead of just spending power to kill monsters what if you spent power to command and power up your champions your miniatures and that just unlocked so much because it is now this is whole interesting new dynamic of how you control territory we created all different kinds of scenarios and cooperative play in a campaign mode and like all of these things where you could just like either play a basic scenario of 1v1 or you have so many different explosions of possibilities because all the world of a tactical miniatures game is unlocked. And so once we started down that road, we were having so much fun with it. We're like, okay, we're definitely making this. And then not only was it so, I mean, there's, it was so much fun. There were so many cool mechanics. We had to cut a bunch of stuff. We had like a dozen different scenarios and 12 different permutations of your campaign and 30 different characters or 40 different characters. And like, it's so much stuff. We had a bunch of stuff we had to cut, which is now, uh, spoiler alert coming, uh, coming soon in, uh, in our new expansion. <laughs> awesome. Um, so <clears throat> I mean, I, I you, 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 you kind of answered this question, but it, it was aside from miniatures, like what sets Ascension tactics apart from the Ascension deck building game, right? Is it sounds right. like it's a lot more than just, we've got miniatures now there. It sounds like there's, yeah. it's a, it's a completely different game just than a, a straight deck builder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's so 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 you're instead of because you're just changing the victory condition entirely from just like, okay, I just need power to convert or just the, right. the cards I buy are worth points. Now it's the the, the, minute, the typical scenario. So there's a pre-printed scenario in, a, in the box that you just can set up and play or there's mobile terrain pieces and then a scenario mm-hmm. books so you can set up different scenarios. But the typical scenario is there's certain other honor shrines you're trying to control. If you end your turn with majority control on an honor shrine, you get honor, you get victory points and then if uh and then the first person to get to 30 wins or whatever the total is right and so then but then you could kill the opposing guys of course you're trying to attack them you're trying to make your you can add tax constructs to your champions to make them stronger you can give them different movement rates there's treasures you can pick up around the board to give them you know secret kind of hidden boosts at the right time there's different Mm -hmm. terrain that can slow you down or do damage or do all kinds of different things that make the the board and then and so so the just just that interplay right, is going to, it's just so much dynamic play. How far away I am, if I'm going to give a guy range and be able to attack you or threaten the zone, if I'm able to score more points and I want to preserve this and protect this area versus incurring into yours, there's so much that goes on. Do I want to try to kill your champions or do I want to try to score more points or do I want to try to run over here and collect more treasures to use later? Like there's all this interesting, fun, tactical decision-making. And it's just like the coolness of just like the visceral feeling of miniatures and characters all moving around the board a giant you summon a giant dragons you can get like extra miniatures beyond the ones you start with by buying them off the center deck so certain like a giant dragon or one of our huge villains can show up what you know so there's just like all of these cool experiences that uh that can happen there and then again that's just the baseline scenario so if you're playing in the campaign then there's different branching paths you can choose and different characters can join your side and you have these uh, sigils that, and quests you can complete that upgrade your champions permanently. And there's a whole story to evolve through. 
So there's like there's so much gameplay. I mean, it's, I, I've joked about this before. The original Sunday Shags is literally the most gameplay I have ever packed into a single box ever. Not even close. It's insane how much different play patterns yeah. you have available. Um, so yeah. so, but but Ed, you if you know Ascension or you know the basics of deck building, you can pick the game up in five minutes. Uh, it's that fast and that easy to understand the fundamentals. And then after that, of course, the, the, the tactics get in there, right? Cause you can have a, unlike traditional miniatures games where you typically have like a certain point buy, right? You have like a hundred points to spend in your army and you have to kind of figure that all out here. It's just, it doesn't matter. You can, you just draft your, you can either be starting, fix starting characters or just draft your characters. The way we balance it is the more powerful characters cost more power to command. So I could have a giant monster on my team, but he's going to cost maybe four power to command, or maybe I want a few smaller guys that are going to be more nimble, only cost two power, and I can run them around the board more. And, and so there's like just an intrinsic balancing element that comes from the value of the deck building, right? And do I want to get more power in my deck so I can command my champions better, or do I want more runes so I can get more cool things for my deck gets better and even more like big late game effects that can that can transform the game? So there's like there's so much fun, interesting interplay that comes from it. Like it's it's a it's a real blast to play. And the whole thing, you know, every given scenario takes 45 minutes. So you can play very fast. 30 minutes if you've got two really fast players. And so you can play it really fast. Even if you want to play a campaign, which could overall take maybe five or six hours, it's broken up into individual sessions. So you can, you know, stop and set up next time. And so it, I, I, I'm a big believer in uh, making sure games are playable relatively quickly. I can't, I can't handle like a three-hour session game anymore <laughs> in my life. I, I, I used to. I used to do that. But I just can't anymore. You know, um, you, you, you touch on, you, you said um, Ascension Tactics, like that's the most gameplay you've been able to fit in a box. One of the things that Jim and I have said for a long time about deck building games in general is, and one of the reasons like I love deck building games is you, it, every game is different. There, It's always, it's always going to be a different game because there's no way like the, the tableau or the way you buy cards, that's going to, that changes so, so many times. And Every single time you play, it's going to be a different experience. And for me, like, that's one of the reasons I enjoy deck building games, um, because they're just the, the experience is, is going to be so different every single time I sit down and play the game. Um, so that's one thing yeah. that, that I enjoy about, about that type of mechanic. So, yeah, that um, was well, that was the reason I made Ascension in the first place. So, like, I played, you know, started off. I played Dominion like a ton, right? Hundreds of games mm -hmm. of Dominion. Because I was like, oh, this is really cool, right? It is, in essence, Dominion took a lot of like what you get out of a constructed feeling of Magic the Gathering and like put it yeah. into a single box, right? But what mm -hmm. I did notice after I played a bunch of Dominion is after I saw the same startup, the same setup cards, I was like, okay, I know how this is going to play out, right? Yeah. I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> And now yeah. I'm just like running through the simulation, right? And then that yep. started to get boring. And again, not a knock on Dominion. I, again, I played it a ridiculous amount. It, it started, it pioneered the genre. But I'm like, well, how do we solve that problem? And then I think about what I think about magic. If you're playing the same constructed decks against each other over and over and over again, eventually that becomes kind of the same. So what do you do? You play limited, right? You draft, you, you pull cards mm -hmm. at random. You, you restrict the number of the card pool. And that's where I came up with the Ascension Center Row with the ever-changing cards. We were the first game to ever do that. And then now, of course, that's become one of the most common ways that deck building games work because it mm -hmm. does. It creates that ever-changing experience, which is what you want, right? You want a gameplay that's like, it's the familiar, but each time I have to solve a new and interesting puzzle and have it presented with a new challenge. And so that's where I think something like even just the basic Ascension, right? Even the Ascension Chronicle of the God Slayer, which now we have a 10th anniversary edition of, you can play that for the rest of your life and you're always going to have innovation and always have fun things. But mm -hmm. then, you know, it also now is that it's more than 10 years later, I can explore this new space of even more interesting, different kinds of play patterns and different extra mechanics and fun stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, the the board mechanic, for, for lack of a better term, uh, term in, in card games seems to be coming more and more popular. Like for me, when, when I see Ascension Tactics, uh, the first game that I saw that was similar to this was Sky Terror, where it's heavily, there's a lot of cards, and then now there's a board with miniatures on it. Um, and so now, now we've, we've also got games, there's Summoner Wars, there's Sorcery, where where we're taking the idea of we've got um, all these cards, and now we're also adding this, this element of, of a board or grid or, or miniatures involved, okay? Um, is, is something like this, like the next, quote, evolution of card games? Like, or in, in the case of deck building games, are traditional deck building games going to start going away? Um, like, is this kind of like going to be the next evolution of of the genre? Do you think, or you think, or I think there's still a design space in in the deck building game genre. 
the the biggest challenge right now. So the, the, it's a it's a golden age of of card games and board games in many ways, right? There's more mm-hmm. great games out there than you could uh, you know all the time. It's easier it's easier than ever to design and create games than it's ever been. The flip mm-hmm. side of that is it's very hard to break through the noise, right? It's very hard to make a game that people notice and play and it's going to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. And the, when you say, well, can there just, is there enough design space for more, you know, just regular quote unquote deck building games? And the answer is, yeah, there's plenty of design space, but are you going to pay attention? Are you mm-hmm. going to notice it, right? How does it mm-hmm. differentiate itself so much from Ascension or Dominion or, you know, whatever, or any, of the, any of the dozens of other games that are, that are out there? Yeah. And so that's yeah. where it gets hard, right? If you don't have... And even for us, right? Even like, you know, whatever, like Ascension still sells great, but the 15th set of Ascension didn't sell as well as the first set or the 10th set, right? And so, but Ascension Tactics, now all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is something totally different, right? And this is something that's really interesting and really got people's attention. And so that's kind of skyrocketed everything back into a, into a new tier, which is, and so I think where you see people, you know, is the connection to, you know, miniatures or a, or a board or a tableau different than one of the, is it the evolution? No, it's an evolution. And then there'll be other ones where they'll probably bring in dice. There'll be other ones where they bring in deck building and roll and write, or those bigger, you know, whatever, right? Like there's, there's a million ways to combine different <clears throat> mechanics and bring something right. that's new. But I think that's really the key is not that there's a lack of design space in the deck building world, just like there's not a lack of design space in the trading card game world. It's just, are you going to be able to break the noise and get people to want to pay attention to your game and play it? And very often that requires you to have some clear hook that lets people say either visually or viscerally kind of feel, oh, well, okay, that's different. I want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. So, so where my where my mind just went when you talk about breakthrough the noise, uh, the first was um, Marvel Snap and Ben Brode. I, I know you just had Ben on your podcast, um, but I think like. Ben did a phenomenal job with that because I felt like for me, anywhere I looked, like I just saw Marvel Snap everywhere. And the first time I saw it, I thought, okay, forgetting that this is Ben Brode, this looks amazing. Like it looks, it looks like something that is so much different. And I want to, um, I want to look at because it, it looks very interesting to me. Um, and then the, and then the flip side, the other thing is I think is Disney Lorcana. Um, both, both of these things. Is I think I think you know they're they're working with large IPs right the Marvel and Disney franchises okay um, how, do you think in order to break through the noise you need like a large IP like that or you or do you just need a good idea which I think both of these games and uh, like are are good ideas I think they just have the benefit of working alongside a large IP which definitely helps um, but at the end of the day um, I. <sighs> To me, it's it's a good idea. Is what's going to break through the noise the most? Would, would would you agree with that, or is it more the IP? Well, you can you you before you before I answer that question, what do you think my answer is going to be? Yes, yeah. Right. Take a look at the games that I make. <laughs> yes, right. Like I've Absolutely. worked, I've worked Absolutely. on Marvel and DC games. I've worked on World of Warcraft games, but I love building my own worlds. I love building great, just yeah. a great game that's going to have a cool story to go with it that you get to be a part of, and we can connect and build together. That's something that just that lights me up. Not that I, you know, obviously Marvel is awesome. Star mm-hmm. Disney is awesome. Star Wars is awesome. Like those things are great. And so, of course, mm-hmm. when I say you've got to break the noise, one of the tools that is available to you to break the noise is have an IP that people already care about, right? So that mm-hmm. is absolutely a valuable tool. Is it necessary? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Like I do not, you know, and, and I'm I'm living proof of that, right? We have we have a lot sure. of very successful games. Absolutely. Our IP are all home rolled, and we love doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- those two, like I said, j- just came to mind, and th- they happen to be large, you know, l- large, large IPs. Um, it's just yeah. I feel like in this, I feel like in this day and age, um, and, and you said it, like it, it, it seems like it's just getting harder and harder to break through the to break through to get somebody to notice it. Um, and I mean, I mean, again, not being a designer, like I, how how do you do that? Like, how do you get somebody to notice your good idea? Uh, aside from just a, well, we just put more money into marketing, right? Like, no, yeah, that's a trap. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be something that like every designer really, really wrestles with. Well, you know, I'm glad that you asked that here because I'll tell you the best answer to that, that I have is circling back to the very first thing we started talking about, which is community. Because when Mm -hmm. you actually want to break the noise, what, what the thing that does it best in my experience is that you demonstrate over time that you care about a given community and you work to serve and add value to that community, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, to, just to make like when you, if you're out there, you don't have a name to yourself, you don't know, you don't have anything on, like you 
hey, start a podcast. Start creating stuff mm-hmm. for people. Start talking about mm-hmm. the passion. Start sharing cool stuff. Run local little game events. Run, build, you know, show up at conventions and run games and help build, help volunteer for people, right? Build all that stuff. And then when you come up with your game and you can show it to people, say, hey, I know you really like these other things or you kept coming to my game nights and I know you love playing Ascension. I have a game that's like Ascension, but it combined with this other thing, come check it out, right? And play it. And right, and you can absolutely build a community over time and then you can get them and then they'll support you and they'll back your Kickstarter or they'll do your, you know, right. That, that, that in my way, that's what I always sort of advise. People. It's not looking to be an overnight success and have everybody just show yeah. up at your door and knock down. Right. It's about right. building a career and building a lifetime. And that, that's the stuff that anyone can do. And it's a fulfilling way to do it. It's not just like trying to yeah. piggyback off of an IP or just ride whatever the newest, hottest mechanical wave is of, Oh, everybody's making whatever these kinds of games. I make one of those kinds of games. It's doing stuff that you genuinely love, finding the people that love that adding value to those people over time. And then when you create something that's cool, and then again, what you create matters too, right? That you create something that actually does add value that is somewhat unique, that has a good pitch. I talk, mm-hmm. when I teach my my course, I teach a course on uh, also called Think Like a Game Designer. Uh, we're going to be running another one in April. It's a very intensive version of the same thing where we walk everybody through it over 12 weeks, help them with their designs, help them move through till all the way till we have them pitch their game to publishers. Um, and part of what I said is like, look, you want to have a great elevator pitch. You want to have something where if I do earn your attention, right. As I, by serving the community, if I earn your attention, then I got to be able to get you very quickly with like, okay, that sounds amazing. Right. Like, you know, soul forge fusion, we have out algorithmically generated one of a kind decks that you can customize and battle online or in person with your same unique, deck, right. One, boom, quick. Right. And there's a lot of other things I could say there, but I need to get your attention really fast yeah. and go. Right, Ascension Texas combines the best of deck building games with the strategy of a tactical miniatures games. Okay, go right, like, and then I can. If you're interested, now there's a lot more of both those projects than just what right. I told you, but I'm able to give you some there. So, so it's it's a lot of different steps here. So it's like that that building community and serving a community over time is like the best and most important thing you do because whether you want to make a game or you want to do it, anything you want to do, like building those relationships, genuine relationships over time yeah. really is just valuable. And then when you are trying to sell something, get attention. I don't get, I don't care what it is. If it's a game, I mean, I did, I did a lecture recently to the Wharton school of business. I, I taught business school students these exact same principles. doesn't matter if it's a game or a business or a book or whatever, or your podcast, right? You need to say, okay, what is it? How do I get you to understand what I'm trying to offer and who specifically is this for? And you'd be very clear on that stuff. And you see those people light up when you make that offer. Now you know you've got something. And they're going to tell their friends. And then that's going to spread without you having to spend marketing dollars or have a big IP or any of that. Yeah, it, it brings me back to when we talked to uh, Stephen Woolley from from Team Covenant. And one of the things that he had told us is, like, I asked him, like, what, what one of the biggest things that he's learned in 10 plus years of them running their business. And one of the things that he said was, know, know the value you bring and be ruthless in that. And look, seek to help, seek to seek to build relationships and then just be don't compromise, like know what you're doing, know who you are, and then just be ruthless in that and don't compromise for for clicks, for money, you know, for 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 anything, but just be know who you are. Um, So so it's 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 refreshing to just hear that you know, echoed and it's like, okay, well, then that that that's got to be like for me, it, it, it boils down to just building relationships and show your community that you care about them and then you will you will kind of get that in return i mean not guaranteed but it just show that you no. care so yeah yeah it's a, it's a, it's a weird so i like i had this sort of weird realization when i was younger because i you know as a gamer there's this tendency to always think in terms of like EV, right? In terms of the expected value. Like I'm going to yeah. do this so i can get this. I'm going to do this so i can get this. Yeah. And you're always thinking about yourself in a game like how do i win? And the way to win at life is to stop thinking like that. (laughs) Don't, (laughs) don't, nobody wants to be around that guy, right? You don't want to be the one that's, you need to actually think about, it's actually reverse the entire thing, right? Think about how can I add value to the world around me, right? And what I care about is being like true to myself and being true to my own values. And then if you do that, it's amazing. You'll magically get all the things that you actually want, but you can't (laughs) think about it the other way. Uh, So, so, it's, it's sorry, but it's, funny you say that because some i i have a son my, my son my son's sick uh 
goodness. Yeah, he's six. He'll he'll be seven soon. But he's he he <laughs> I I love my son so much, but I see so much of myself in him. And it's of course it's the bad parts in me that 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 come out, right? And so one of the things that I'm trying to get to get through to him, he he hates losing. Okay. And then when he when he loses, it's everybody knows about it. Everybody, you know, it's like, oh boy. He, everybody knows no one lost, and then he'll he'll throw a big fit. And one thing I'm trying to get through to him, and you know, sh- and teach by example, right, is showing him, hey, you know, it, it's okay. It's not about winning. You know, it is. It's it's fun to win, yes. But the most important thing is again showing people that hey, nobody wants to be around this. Show them that you that you love them, and you know, it's it's just something that I'm 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 struggling. You know, I like every parent <laughs> struggles with, yes, but it's just course. something I'm seeing like on a, on the day today. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to show them this is what's going to be in life. What life's going to be like, bud. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Can't win them all. Yeah. Can't win them all. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Um. All right. So so ascension tactics. Like it's got me. It's got me very excited. Right. And one of the things that I feel like a lot of people ask nowadays is, is there going to be digital version? Right. So we, I know you've got an ascent, uh, Ascension does have a digital version. Will there be an Ascension Tactics digital version? And do you think now um, it's important? It's important that um, tabletop games also have a digital version, or is that just like a nice thing to have, but just not necessary? I don't think it's necessary, but it, you know, again, I just circle it all back to community, right? It's like one of those things that you, it all comes down to like, how many different ways can you get people to engage? How many different ways can you get people to like build this into their lifestyle and build this and connect with your, your community or things, right? And so the difference of like, I can be playing this game when I'm sitting at home and I can still be playing against my friends. Like, so Ascension was like the first deck building game on, I, on app. As far as I know, ever right, like it was mm-hmm. maybe there was some small thing out there, but like it was the first one, and I was terrified. Right, Ascension was a huge success, launched in 2010, and in 2011 we launched the Ascension app on iPhone, and and it was I was afraid that I was going to destroy and cannibalize my entire market. Right, instead of spending forty dollars for a box of Ascension, you could spend five, at the time five dollars. Now it's free. You could buy it, download it on iOS or Android, and uh, why would you ever spend forty dollars? But I was like, I don't know. This is really cool. I want to do it. Like, this is my my bias is always like, I want to do the cool new thing. And so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And of course, what happened is the exact opposite, right? As soon as I launched it, the sales of the physical game took off even more because now people could try the game. They wow. could access the game. They could enjoy it. They could bring their friends and, oh, hey, check this thing out, right? Come play. And then that, so it became a symbiotic relationship. So I believe that that, I know mm-hmm. that that relationship exists. So can if you can launch a digital version of your game, it very likely will increase the sales of your physical game. Do you need it? No. And let me tell you, do not take on this burden lightly. It is very hard, very expensive, very difficult yeah. to make software. Like making physical games is hard enough. Making software yeah. is even harder in my experience. And then if you're doing both, you now have the problems of both. So like everything of like I, my designs have to take into account both. So like we're already building that. So we have that for Ascension. We have it for Shards of Infinity. We are, I've already announced. So Soulforge Fusion today, you can scan your decks into your online account and play on Tabletop Simulator. But we are in the middle of developing a full-fledged app for Soulforge Fusion that will allow you to play awesome. on your PC, on phones, and all the whole thing. So, so Ascension okay. Tactics. So to answer your version about answer about Ascension Tactics, the answer is yes, I'd love to, but not yet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very focused <laughs> on uh, what we're doing now. Uh, right, we're building Ascension Tactics Inferno, which is coming to Kickstarter. Uh, you know, in whatever the 21st of February, and then uh, so the physical version and advancing Ascension Tactics is our biggest priority in terms of that. But the digital side, it's, it's Soulforge Fusion uh, for at least the next year of, of just focusing on that. So then we may sure. circle back on, on topics. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, all right. Bef- before we get to the card of the week, I, 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 I've got one other question I want to ask you about um, magic and community building. Okay. Um, so, I mean, there's so many things you could get to about magic. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you and get your opinion, especially from the standpoint of a designer, was the whole uh, universes beyond uh, project. Okay. Um, for those, for those that aren't familiar, universe beyond is, uh, essentially, um, other universes, other IPs coming into magic, the gathering and magic 
making special special cards for for lack of a better term okay one of the things that they're doing i think it's this year is they're bringing in final fantasy um as one of the universes that they're going to be featuring um and with final fantasy final fantasy does have its own final fantasy trading card game okay um so justin in your in your opinion what do you think of any game bringing in another ip that already has a game similar to the one that they're bringing in does to a the, the community around around both of those games um is it is that a positive thing is that a negative thing or does it really there does it really matter Ooh, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think it's, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, you know, there's like the, I've got my like business person hat on my designer hat on and my, my player hat on, right. Each one right. feels very differently right. about this, right? Like yeah. there's a certain yeah. part of me as a player, as a magic player specifically, that's like, feels like my, my, my game's getting corrupted by these other IPs. Like what the hell yep. are, you know, Transformers doing battling against <laughs> Teferi, right? Or what, you know, like this doesn't make any sense to me. So, so, awesome. so, so there, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, and that's, and that's exactly right. That's the other piece of it. For some people, yeah. like that is awesome. Like what the hell are you, why are you so stressed about it? What are you yeah. like? People love this. People love Final Fantasy. People love magic. I like chocolate. I love peanut butter. Let's put them together. What am I missing? Right? Like, what's the problem? Right? That is that is super fair. That's super fair. And I think like right. I and I know like I have a lot of friends at Wizards. Like a lot of people that were very very against any of these like IP bleeding for many many years. Anything along those lines. And then finally it broke through, and it's like oh, it actually turns out it's hugely successful. Right? Like law people yeah. love this stuff because of yeah. course they love yeah. their. They love the things they love. So you're giving them more mm -hmm. of the things that they love, right? And so right. insofar as like, right. I don't want to be playing with those cards, don't play with those cards. Don't buy those cards. Yeah. If you love yeah. the Final Fantasy trading card game and the mechanics that are there, you don't have to play the Magic Final Fantasy set. But yep. you can if you want to. So so I think there's like this interesting dynamic. And, and, you know, Magic and trading card games have like a little bit of a difference there in that oftentimes you feel like you have to buy new cards to to be competitive or you have to like participate in something. But I think for the most part, for most people, most of the time, if you don't like it, don't buy it. I promise you they'll stop making it if they don't know, nobody buys it. Yeah. But if somebody does yeah. and people like it and they want to say, yeah, man, I want to know who wins in a fight. That was actually the thing we just, when we worked on the versus system game, uh, it was just Marvel and DC right, battling each other. And, and they was like, it was just basically who wins in a fight. Okay, cool. Like Batman versus Wolverine. What, what happens? Who wins in a fight? Let's go. And we just like would work on that stuff all the time. It's like, it was just, it's fun and cool. Like I grew up with those characters. It's fun to get to be the one that decides mm -hmm. that. So I think mm -hmm. being able to let people play in the IP that they love and the games that they love overall is a net positive. Um, obviously mm -hmm. there are, you know, with the, the little caveats of like the purists and the people you just kind of like, yeah, no, I want to play my game the way I play it. But <laughs> right. for the most part, right. you know what? Let's right. go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, again, if you want to play the game your way, then play the game your way. Like nothing, there's nothing stopping you from, from doing that. So, um, right. All right. Now, that's now, the thing quick, that bothers I, me a lot. A lot of the time that just, just to finish that thought, it's like a lot of people get very, very, very upset if other people want to play a game differently than they do. And it's like, just, you know, it's okay. You, you play your way, yeah. let them play their way. I want everybody to have, be happy. That's like what we're here to do. We're playing games. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Now, um, I, the last question here, uh, one things that I love your podcast and I love, I love the premise. One of the things that, um, I've always struggled with, I'm very analytical. My day job is I'm an engineer. So I'm, my entire day is always problem solving and thinking through how do I, how do I fix this? Getting into something like this, I have had to work at being creative. And I got to tell you, I love it. I love so much getting to use that side of my brain. And initially, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And I was very hesitant that I'm like, I don't know if I can actually be creative, but I believe it now. <laughs> how, We're going to make do, a game. How, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you how how do you how do you help tell somebody that um, how how would you talk to me when I was when I was at that point of I don't know if I can be creative or not? What would you tell somebody like me? Yeah, this is the thing I'm I'm probably most passionate about right now is helping people exactly like you and exactly like people in that situation because that's who I was. 
right? When I told my story of coming as a pro magic player, I was super analytical. I still am super analytical. That's just like how I think. I like to break down problems mm -hmm. and solve problems. That's just how I approach the world. Yep. And so yep. I did, you can do exactly the same thing for creativity. There's no magical creative people out there. There's no secret fairy dust that you don't have that they do. <laughs> What it is, is it's a step-by-step -step process. It's a step-by-step -step process. I break it all down in my book. I break it down for free in my podcast. Break it down, like, it's just you follow what I call the core design loop where you, you go through the step-by-step -step process. How do you get inspiration? How do you get ideas? You can make that very rigid, very formulaic. What parameters do you work in? How do you brainstorm? How do you take your core idea and turn it into a whole mess of ideas, something that's actually executable? How do you prototype mm -hmm. and test your idea? How do you use that test data to feed back into the cycle to then modify your project and move it accordingly. And it's just this process of developing hypotheses, finding efficient ways to test them, circling back and bringing it forward. So it is, it is as rigid as, you know, engineering. It's just a matter of people don't know what the programming language is, right? They don't know mm -hmm. what the steps are. And there, once you know them, honestly, None of it's super complicated. I spend a lot of time teaching people, but I'm not teaching anything. Again, no secret fairy dust. Like I give away all the information for free. The best things are like surrounding yourself, surrounding yourself with people that do it and practicing because it, what's really hard is getting yourself to put creative work out there, right? It, people don't realize how yeah. difficult it is because what you're going to create, what you think you want and what you create are not the same. What you create is going to be yeah. garbage, okay? I'm going to give you that secret right now. The first prototype yeah. sucks. It always sucks and it's going to continue to suck. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. My first prototypes still suck, right? You got to be willing to do the, let your ego aside and be able to work through that process of putting yourself out there, taking in criticism, not like mm -hmm. <laughs> lashing out at those people, <laughs> taking that in, yeah. being yeah. able to circle yeah. it back through and move through that process. And so that part, a lot mm -hmm. of the training that I give to people is not just about the the principles, but the practice and the iterative loops mm -hmm. that you have to go through to really do it well. So mm -hmm. anybody can do it. Uh, it's not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. So if you want to do it and are willing to put in the work, anybody can be creative, hundred mm -hmm. percent. Yeah. Every time, every time I hit that upload or schedule button, I always get a little nervous. But every time I do it, the next time gets a little bit easier. So you just got to start and you just got to keep doing it. So, all right. The uh, Justin has been so kind to uh, talk about this week's card of the week. Uh, Jim's gonna love this card so much yeah, because great. Jim loves Jim loves this color. Uh, Just Justin, what what is this week's card of the week for us? Card of the week is Oath of Druids. <laughs> All right, so I've I've got the card pulled up. <clears throat> it, it's an enchantment. Um, man, what is this? I, I I don't know what the set is from. Um, but it's it's an enchantment for one in a green. Says during each during each player's cup upkeep, if that player controls fewer creatures than target opponent, the player may reveal cards from his or her library until he or she reveals a creature card. The player puts that creature card into play and all other reveal cards into his or her graveyard. Okay, yeah, this this uh, you can cheat. Uh, what 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 did you cheat into play with this card, Justin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what else so, did so, you cheat you know, into play? <laughs> yes, yes. This is before the days of Eldrazi, but yes, I, uh, I. So this is you know there's the there's a joy of uh, of playing as a, at a top magic level and winning a tournament is one of those joys and that's great and I want but the biggest joy in my mind is getting people to ban a card. Because it means like not only did you beat the other players, but you beat you beat the designers, you, you beat, beat everybody. <laughs> and so I uh, was able to win Pro Tour Houston with uh, Oath of Druids, and the card was banned shortly thereafter. Uh, and the card that I got to play was Cognivore. Uh, Cognivore is a blue blue six flying blue creature that has a power and toughness equal to the number of instants. Uh, I think it's instants and sorceries in your discard pile. And so my whole deck yeah. was counter spells yeah. and control cards and things to control yeah. the deck of the game. And yeah. then just these, and, and then the cognivores that I could just crush my opponents with. So it basically, if you ever successfully got a creature on the board, I would just win the game in the next turn or two. And if you didn't, then I would just slowly grind you out. And I had treetop villages so I could activate and turn them into creatures and, and attack you and take you down that way if I needed to. And I also had a uh, living witches, which is a really fun card in that deck that I, was, I could pull. I had a variety of like specialty creatures I could pull in if I really wanted to uh, from the, from my sideboard. So uh, yeah, I, was, I love, I love the games that like the cards that really help you break the game up and then just like completely yeah. change things upside down. Yeah. Uh, and so Oath of Druids mm -hmm. will always have a special place in my heart for that reason. 
was uh was were there a lot of people in the tournament playing that deck or was that as was that deck that you kind of thought up on your own uh, it was a deck i thought up on my own and it was actually a funny story so the people several of the people you mentioned earlier that are now you know not only obviously lifelong friends but also designers are uh, rob doherty darwin castle and i were all part of team your move games we had tested for that event together we uh, and this is very unusual we all played different decks in the tournament right so usually as a team huh. you work together you test together you figure right. out what the best deck is and we all yeah. and then you all decided play. that we all had different decks so we use an advocacy system when we were testing so like you would be like the the, the advocate for a deck to you try to make the best version of it to to break it within the system and then everybody would work mm-hmm. together and usually you call us okay no your deck's really we did so rob played a uh the black uh reanimated deck right which is like brought in giant creatures out of the discard pile darwin played the kind of green black kind of just good stuff advantage kind of deck uh and i played the cognivore oath deck and we at the end of the swiss rounds at proto houston i was the first seed rob was the second seed and darwin was the third <laughs> seed going into the top eight that is awesome story that gets is better. so cool story Story gets better. We go into the top eight. Every single one of us sweeps our opponents. Not a single game lost from all any of us. Wow. Not a single game lost from any of us. We go into the semifinals. I get paired against somebody else. I sweep him. Not a single game lost. Rob and Darwin play against each other. They go to maximum number of games. Rob finally beats Darwin. And Rob and I play in the finals, go to the maximum number of games, and I finally beat Rob. And we end in seeds one, two, and three at the end of the tournament. It is, as far as I know, to this day, the most dominant performance of any team in history. We didn't lose a game to anybody but each other. And we all played different decks in that tournament. Wow. That's phenomenal. That is awesome! Wow, man, that is Ro- so. Rob cool. and I, Rob and I, <laughs> Rob and I were rooming together at that for that tournament. And you know how you like joke with your friends? You ever been to a match where you're like, "Okay, man, we're gonna get yeah. the two winning top two trophies, and we're gonna have them in our yeah. room at the end of the night." You're like, yeah, dude, we're totally gonna do that. And we totally. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool! What? That's crazy. Uh, so th- this deck, l- looking looking at those cards um, today, or it. It, t- today it brings me to the, like it would be an is it list um that that's just that's just what 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 my mind goes to i feel like jim you hate green but for some reason i think you would probably like that deck honestly i'd play it <laughs> yeah honestly i'd play that deck yeah yeah, yeah. This, deck, this deck it only it only it only it only leaned into green just to cheat the fact that it didn't have any yeah. creatures or really yeah. green cards i think the only green cards in the deck were were oath of druids and uh pernicious deed so you could just like clear the board with it like a yeah. so it was like it was a very yep. very blue centric deck Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like pernicious deed. I have pernicious. That's always been my play style. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, that is this week's card of the week. Oath of Druid. Justin, thank you for that. Um, and you know what? As we wrap up here, Justin, can you can you tell our audience where they can find you and your content on the internet? Yeah, so there's quite a few places. So um, stoneblade.com has all my games. And if you want to be participating in the Ascension Tactics Inferno Kickstarter, there's a link right there to follow it. There's a day one reward. Anybody that backs us on day one gets their name in the rule book. Tons of cool stuff to participate in there. Um, you can find uh, me at Twitter uh, at Justin underscore Gary. Uh, and if you want to follow uh, the Think Like a Game Designer stuff, you can go to thinklikeagamedesigner.com there's, or search for it in the podcast. Um, it's also available at any bookstore you go to. Uh, and so all of that stuff. If you want to learn to become a game designer, I give all of that stuff away for free in the podcast and uh, excited to connect. Also links from Stoneblade. You can go directly to our Stoneblade Discord. Myself and my team are always there. So it's a great way to just chat with us and directly get engaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I always I'm in a lot of I'm I'm in quite a few discords, but I always like going going to them and just seeing what's going on. Um, I I, I do love I do love the Stoneblade uh, Discord, and I always like any Discord where I can go and then just play some of their games with people like over webcam or just online. It's always great. So guys, go definitely go check out their Discord, and uh, definitely you guys could, should go listen to the Think Like Game Designer podcast. I've learned a lot a lot listening to that podcast and you will too. So don't forget to check that out. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for being with us today. I had a lot of fun and uh, enjoy yourself. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. That was, that was crazy. That was fun. Um, like I said, was, was nervous. Um, in fact, uh, I felt, I felt so silly. I felt like there was a one question in particular that I felt really silly asking about, um, a good, a good idea over an IP. And he was like, well, what do you think? 
<laughs> was like, yeah. Um, but you know what, though, Jim? Like, it's I, I'm finding it very interesting and very fun with all these interviews. It's it's getting us good experience and just talking to all these different people mm-hmm. and making. And I think, at least for me, I can speak for. Um, it's making me more and more um, comfortable. You know, talking to all these honestly really important people in this space. Mm-hmm. Like Justin Gary, to me, is just one of those people who's been around for a long time in designing some really, really great games. Mm-hmm. Um, and that conversation was just a blast. <laughs> I love when he got pretty philosophical about Dude, stuff I as well. Dude, I thought he was joking. Yeah. I didn't. I thought he was joking. <laughs> but He's I like, was like, Dude, that's awesome. It was so cool. Yeah, it was super cool. Well, because it's like, uh, I felt I felt really weird because I'm like, I think about these things too. And he's <laughs> like, actually, I'm right there with you. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, really, honestly, I'm excited to go to Gen Con and mm-hmm. talk to him and, and yeah. meet him in person. It, honestly, when like while we were talking to him, it was, it was kind of just like we – we knew him. Like for yeah. me, it was just a feeling of like sure, we've dude. known this person for years. Yeah, for sure. It which was, is kind of weird. Well, and you know what though? One of my favorite things about that entire talk mm-hmm. was confirmation that what we're doing is we're doing the right thing. We are on the right path. Mm-hmm. When he kept going back to community and community being the bedrock, the foundation yeah. of pretty much anything in this space. Yeah. Um, it like to me that just solidified everything that we're doing here, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it was just it was just so great to hear that you know what this really is what's important. It's really not about the games. Yep. It really is about these connections, those relationships, and the communities that are forming around all of these really insignificant things, <laughs> right? Because it's what you said from the get go. It's yep. the experiences that we're having around these games, around the table, yep. the journey that we're having with all these different people and i am so excited with talking to more and more different people <laughs> we're bringing all these other people along this journey with us yep. and it was just so so great so i had so much fun with that and uh yeah i can't, I, I just i can't wait to talk to more people it's just mm. so cool it's a lot of fun so all right before we get out of here jim where can people find you on the internet yeah you guys can find me on twitter twitch and instagram at jim morgan hnh Guys can find me on Twitter at underscore DJ Campbell and on Instagram at daniel.g.campbell. Head to our website, www.hobbiesandhappiness.com. Find links to all of our social platforms there, as well as our YouTube. Pretty much everything is there. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. I had so much fun with this conversation and cannot wait to get to the next one. So that's all we got for you guys this week. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. All right, see everybody. Take care. Um,